This is The Big Question, where we do our best to answer questions from young disciples at Grace Presbyterian Church and to be at peace with the mysteries we can't explain. I'm Pastor Mark, your host, and in this episode we have questions from Israel, Levi, Rosemary, Caleb F., and Sam VR. First, we'll tackle a few serious questions, then we'll look at this episode's big question, and we'll wrap things up at the end with a few fun questions. Let's start with our serious questions. Our first question comes from Israel, who asks, Why did Jesus need to do miracles for people to follow him? Well, Israel, in the Old Testament, God often used miraculous signs to confirm the authority of the messengers that he sent to the people. For example, Moses was given the power to do some pretty amazing things, and these signs verified to the people and to Pharaoh that Moses wasn't just speaking for himself, but was speaking on behalf of God. The purpose of the signs was not to impress people so much that they would follow Moses. It was to confirm that Moses' message was from God, and that God had sent Moses. The faith of the people wasn't in the signs themselves, it was in the word that the signs confirmed. The same thing happened with the prophets who followed after Moses, too, And so it makes sense that when Jesus came, the Savior that all the prophets pointed to, that he would be accompanied by miraculous signs. This was God's way of confirming to his people that Jesus was the Messiah, the one they'd been waiting for. And now Levi asks, Why do you think the disciples said that they understood? Now, Levi's question is referring to Matthew chapter 13, when Jesus asks the disciples whether they have understood all these things. In other words, the teaching of his parables, and the disciples answer with a simple yes. Well, Levi, when I think about that response, it really surprises me. And yet, I think the disciples were sincere in what they were saying. They really believed that they were paying attention and following what Jesus said. And in a sense, they probably were. Now that we've studied the parables, we have understanding too, just like them. The question is, though, how deep does that understanding go? Now, I think the disciples probably could have explained the meaning of the parables as well as we could. And just like us, the real question was whether they could live in accord with their understanding. Sometimes you know things in your mind, but have a hard time living them out. And that was their challenge. It's our challenge, too. As we strive to understand what the Bible teaches, we need to do more than study it intellectually. We need to live it out through obedience. Now it's time for the big question. Our big question this week comes from Rosemary. Let's give Rosemary a round of applause. Here's Rosemary's question. Why is Dan Reed becoming a pastor at our church? Well, congratulations, Rosemary, on asking such good questions. This is actually the second week in a row that you've asked the big question. You're doing a great job. 
Now really, with this question, there are actually two questions. First, let's consider why we would want another pastor at our church. And once we've thought about that, then we can ask the more specific question, why we'd want Dan to be that pastor. Now, this is an important set of questions because in just a few weeks, on April 2nd, Grace is going to host a congregational meeting, and one of the things we're going to vote on is whether to call Dan as an associate pastor. Every member of the church will be eligible to vote on this, and since it's a historic moment for us, we want to be prepared. As you know, Grace is a Presbyterian church. And the Greek word presbyter literally means elder, or less politely, old man. The reason that we call our church Presbyterian is that it is governed by a group of elders instead of just one person. Now, I am one of the elders, but I'm not the only one. We have a group of elders, and together we shepherd the flock. Now, there are two kinds of elder. We call them teaching elders and ruling elders. I'm a teaching elder, which means that I have been ordained as a minister of word and sacrament. Right now, I'm the only elder at the church who can baptize people or administer the Lord's Supper. But when it comes to making decisions for the church, counseling the congregation, meeting its spiritual needs, all of the elders work together. In everyday terms, we often say that I'm the pastor of the church, but technically, all of our elders perform a pastoral function. It's just that a teaching elder has a special responsibility where preaching and sacraments are concerned. Now, Essentially, the question that we are deciding is whether we want to have another teaching elder to help with the ministry of the church. This is very common in Presbyterian churches, and it's a good way for us to expand the church's ability to minister. With an associate pastor, we can do much more than what I can accomplish on my own. Becoming an associate pastor is also a good way for a new teaching elder to gain experience and establish himself in the first chapter of his ministry. He serves the church, and at the same time, he benefits from being able to serve at an established congregation. Now, for our church, Grace, we are at the beginning of an exciting new chapter in our life. God has blessed us in a lot of ways, growing us and growing the ways that we can serve. To be a good steward of these blessings, I could really use some help, and that's why we want to call an associate pastor. Now, it's no accident that Dan is the pastor that we want to call. God has been working in Dan's life for a long time. As you probably know, Dan's father is Reverend Wayne Reed. He's the pastor of Living Hope, a sister church nearby. In fact, the church that helped Grace get started in the first place. That means we've known Dan for a long time, ever since he was a college student. After college, Dan became a teacher, but he sensed a call from God to become a pastor, and so he came back to Sioux Falls for seminary. Now, Dan has been training for the ministry in seminary for a number of years, and he's going to graduate in May. Now, while he's been in seminary, he's also been serving our church as our director of discipleship and education. As part of that role, Dan has helped organize our youth discipleship, our Sunday school classes. Things including a youth group, vacation Bible school, summer camp. 
He's also coordinated Grace's small groups and made sure that that growing ministry has everything it needs in order to flourish. All of our elders and deacons are grateful for Dan's work in the church, and I think it's safe to say that all of your parents feel the same way. Personally, I can't imagine doing everything we do week to week without Dan's help. It's a privilege for us as a church to be in a position to offer Dan this call. Having an associate pastor has been a dream of mine since the very beginning, so I'm excited to be having this conversation. And I hope this helps you understand why Grace wants to call an associate pastor and why we want Dan to be that pastor. Our congregational meeting on April 2nd will be when we make this important decision. In the meantime, I hope that you will join me in praying for our church and praying for Dan, too. We need God's guidance and wisdom in the days ahead. There are a lot of exciting changes coming, and we want to be ready for them. If we're united in our longing to grow in Christ, then I know that we will be ready. Before we close, let's look at a few fun questions. Our first question comes from Caleb F., who wants to know, What would you do if your money tree grew a million-dollar bill, but your cats ate it? Caleb, this is a common problem with pets of all kinds. No matter how many million-dollar bills sprout on your money tree, if they all get eaten, then you've got a real problem. But like a lot of problems, it all comes down to what you think is important in life. Do you value money? Or do you value feline companionship? If you've ever had a cat, then I know that losing a million dollars here and there, it's a small price to pay. Now, for me, though, it's not really much of a dilemma. I do have a money tree, but it's never actually produced any money, not a single dollar, let alone a million dollar bill. Of course, I guess it's possible that the cats are just eating all of my money before I've noticed that it's sprouted. And now Sam VR wants to know, have you ever tubed on a lake? Sam, this is a hard question to answer because I'm not sure what it means. I know what a lake is, but I'm not sure I understand what tubed means. As far as I know, I haven't tubed anywhere, including on a lake. The only thing I can remember doing on a lake is gazing on it from a distance. I once rode a boat, but that was on a river, and it didn't go according to plan. For some reason, the more I rode in one direction, the more the boat went the other way. Now, last summer, I did go kayaking for the first time, but that was also on a river. I was pretty sure I was going to capsize the kayak and drown immediately. I was afraid that I would have to be tubed at the hospital, that is. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to The Big Question. Remember, if we're going to find the answers, then we have to ask the questions. Never be afraid to ask, and never be satisfied with easy answers. The truth will stand up to scrutiny. Until next time, keep asking the big questions.